going through this series in the beginning of the year called Words That Change Everything, right? The importance of our words. And then last week, Pastor Daniel started this mini-series called Eating Your Way to Victory. And so I'm finishing that up today. And it's kind of like deceiving because when you think about eating your way to victory, you think, oh, I could like eat my way to victory, like eat food. But um, we're going to talk a little bit about how that is kind of, and it also is not kind of what we're talking about today. So if you have your Bibles with you, can you turn to Galatians 5, 16 through 17? I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. If you don't have that version, it's totally okay. We have this handy dandy screen right here that uh, you can follow along. Galatians 5, 16 through 17, it says this. I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. So our flesh and our spirit are completely opposed to one another. You, they are contrary to one another. So, so basically, you cannot walk in the flesh and walk in the spirit at the same time. You know, there are certain things that you can, you know, that are opposites that you can have at the same time, like love and hate relationships. And no, I'm not talking about my husband. I'm talking about love and hate relationships, for example, like pizza. I love pizza, but I hate what it does to my stomach, right? Love, hate relationships, things that are opposites that can happen at the same time simultaneously. But the word says, no, our flesh and our spirit cannot happen simultaneously. They're contrary to one another, absolutely opposites of one another. So what is our flesh? Our flesh is the sin, human, natural nature of who we are. It is the nature that is passed down all the way in the beginning from Adam, right? Adam and Eve sinned, and what they passed on generation to generation is this sinful human nature, which is called the flesh, right? Our soul is our mind, will, and emotion. Our soul is kind of the, the kind of the decision maker, right? And then our spirit, our spirit is the one that is made new. When we profess the name of Jesus and we say, Lord, come into my life, be my Lord and Savior, our spirit, which was once dead, gets reborn. It becomes new, right? The Bible says that old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. Well, when you profess the name of Jesus, does your body become new? No, it doesn't. Does your soul become new? No, it doesn't. Your soul can continually become renewed, right? But your soul doesn't automatically become new. It's your spirit that becomes new. Your spirit gets reborn and it becomes new. So old things in your spirit have passed away. Your spirit becomes new and then your spirit wars against the flesh. So the flesh is the reason that our natural man can never please God. Our natural man can never please God. Our flesh is the one that always wants to do things for who? For me, right? For me. It's all about me. How much I want, when I want it, how I want it, where I want it. It's the flesh. So our spirit loves the Lord, wants to do the will of God. And our flesh loves ourselves, right? And so our flesh and our spirit war against each other. They cannot happen at the same time. So our soul, what happens is our soul either will follow our flesh, our mind, will, and emotion will either follow our flesh, or it will follow our spirit, 
right? And so have you ever heard of the phrase, whatever you feed grows, whatever you starve dies, right? I'm not talking about starving your physical body today, though we will talk about fasting in a second, but I'm talking about starving your flesh and feeding your spirit. Are you guys ready? All right, so our soul gravitates either towards the flesh, our human sin nature, or towards our spirit. So look, it's already hard enough, right, to kind of say, flesh, shh, quiet down. It's already hard enough. Our human nature, like, speaks so loudly in us, right? When you have a desire, that desire rises up, right? And guess who is in, like, partner in crime with our flesh? Satan, right? Not only... Do we have this human nature, flesh nature that rises up? Satan partners with our flesh. He comes in and he drops ideas. He drops thoughts. And what happens is he persuades our soul to follow our flesh. But thank God. Thank God for our spirit. Right? Thank God that we don't have to do this alone. Thank God that our spirit is new, that it fights against our flesh. So we're not doing this alone. Right? Our spirit is made new. And our spirit loves the Lord. So food, we're talking about food. When we talk about starving our flesh, feeding our spirit, we're going to talk about food. Food is the basic desire of the flesh. Nobody needs to teach us that we need food, right? When a baby is born, I don't need to teach my little son that he needs to cry when he needs to eat. He just cries because he needs to eat. Nobody needs to teach him that, right? It's the basic desire of the flesh, like our bodies. We need to eat. And so food is the basic desire of a flesh. But you can think, wow, what is the big deal? Is food really that big of a deal, right? Like, can food really, you know, draw me closer to the Lord or take me away? Have you ever met a really hungry pregnant lady? (laughs) Let's be honest. I was pregnant not too long ago. My son is four months old, and I remember when I was pregnant, I had cravings, right? Like, you hear about that all the time. When you're pregnant, pregnant cravings are real, right? Sometimes all I can think about is a big, fat, juicy burger, and honestly, I couldn't think of anything else. Like, I I couldn't think of anything else until I had that big, fat, juicy burger. Food is a big deal. And so when we're talking about food, you think, man, you know, can it really take us away? Can it really draw us closer? Last week, Pastor Daniel mentioned Adam and Eve. And all the way in the beginning, Adam and Eve were deceived through their stomach, right? They had everything in the Garden of Eden, right? There was nothing that they could not have except that one fruit from that one tree, right? Just that one thing. They had everything in the world at their feet. Everything was theirs except that one thing. And guess what they wanted? That one thing. That one thing. You know, isn't, that happens to us all the time. Adam and Eve are proof that you could have everything in the world and it's still not enough. It's true because things and people don't fulfill us. Only God can fulfill us. Isn't that true? And so when we talk about food, Adam and Eve were deceived through their stomach. We could think, man, if I just had that one job, if I just had that one house, if I just had that one spouse, my life would be better. But it's not true. It's not true. God is the only one who can fulfill us. So Satan is trying to destroy us, to deceive us, by constantly pointing out the one thing you might not be having right now. And so when we talk about food, we're talking about cravings, right? When we talk about desire, the most basic desire of our human nature is food. So we may not even know that food's controlling us. So back when I was pregnant again, we're talking about cravings and pregnancy, um, I used to crave 
a chicken quesadilla from Taco Bell like every day. <laughs> I don't know why. You know, I had really bad morning sickness. And so really sometimes when it's the one thing that sounds good, I'm like, let's go get it. I need it. I need it right now, you know. And so Scott would be great because um, sometimes around midnight, I would think to myself, I'm having a craving. I need that craving fulfilled. And so he would go and he would get me a chicken quesadilla and fulfill that craving. But did you know that after I gave birth, Jace is now four months old, and um, I still have cravings? <laughs> that did not go away. <laughs> because what happens is when you continually give in to cravings, it becomes a habit, right? It becomes a habit. It's no longer just a craving. It becomes a pattern in your life. So when we talk about the most basic desire of the flesh and you continually give in, even if it's just food, things that we need, it can begin to permeate into other areas of our life, kind of like pee in a pool. It's true. In 1 Corinthians, I know, that was a little delayed reaction. Just think about it for a second. 1 Corinthians 6, 12 to 13 says this. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Foods for the stomach and the stomach for the foods, but God will destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Wait, I thought we were talking about food. Wait, sexual immorality, right? So sometimes you can think like, oh, it's just food. It's just food. But the Lord knows our human nature, it doesn't just open a small crack and say, this is good. No, when we open the door, it opens the door to so many other things in our life. You can think to yourself, well, I would never be that extreme, right? Like, I just like to eat. Like, give me food. I just like to eat. Like, I would never be sexual and moral. But you know what? Satan never comes to your door with a pitchfork and say, I'm Satan. This is what I want you to do, right? Because that's too obvious. That's too obvious. As Christians, we're like, oh, no, I will not listen to you. You're crazy, right? That's too obvious. When you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. So when you're walking down this path, Satan doesn't say, hey, go this way, because that's too obvious. When you're walking this path, Satan goes, hey, go this way. It's one step, one little compromise here and there, one little step to the left or right. And then you walk down this, this path, and before you know it, you look back, and you're like, how did I end up here? Right? Things, extre extremes never happen overnight. You don't just wake up one day and be like, this is where I'm at. Now I'm a drug addict. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens ever so slowly, just a little bit on the wrong path, just continually one step to the left or right. And you look, and you're like, oh, my, my path was supposed to be over there and now here I am, right? But God is faithful. Just like we've been talking about all service, God is faithful, and he can uproot you and plant you right where you're supposed to be. Amen? So God does not want us to be under the power of any, to be controlled by anything. Satan takes what is supposed to be a gift, and he always perverts it, right? So food is supposed to be a gift. Why, do, why does food taste good? Because it's a gift. Thank God food tastes good. I'm so glad food tastes good, right? But Satan wants to come and take what's a gift and pervert it, right? To eat more than we need to, right? To make it unhealthy to the point where we just indulge 
And it doesn't just have to be food. It can be anything, any gift, right? Any gift, and he wants to pervert it. When Jesus was fasting in the desert, 40 days and 40 nights, his first temptation was food. Where Adam and Eve failed in regards to food, Jesus prevailed. So when he fasted and prayed for 40 days, the Bible says that Jesus was hungry. And Satan comes and Satan says, hey, if you are the son of God, what? Turn these stones to bread. Feed yourself. You need to eat, right? You're hungry, which is like a very logical thing to do, right? If you're hungry, feed yourself. And, and Jesus said, oh, no. Oh, no. The word of God says, right? Jesus' first temptation was through his stomach. And so there is something about this whole disciplining of our bodies. There is something to this eating and food. And so how do we keep the flesh in check? How do we, how do we prevent our cravings, our natural desires, overcoming our spiritual desires? And so how do we keep the flesh in check? Not only do we need to eat the right foods, but we need to eat the right amount. Proverbs 24, 13 says this, My son... Eat honey because it is good. And the honeycomb, which is sweet to your taste. It says, eat honey because it is good. Not just because it tastes good, though honey tastes good. It's sweet, right? It says, eat honey because it is good. It is good. It's good for you. Sometimes the Bible is very, uh, very like logical, very practical. Eat honey because it's good for you. I don't know about you guys, but um, when I have fruit at my house, a lot of times it's like in the raw form, you know. I, we just had a pineapple today, and it was like in the raw form. You actually have to cut it up and all that stuff. And uh, when I have a sugary craving, I don't know about you, but I don't just, I don't like go to the pineapple right away and be like, oh, that pineapple is going to curb my sugary craving. No, if I have a chocolate cake in my fridge, I'm going to that chocolate cake. Isn't that true? You go to like, what is the sugariest thing I have in my house? And not just that, immediate too. It's immediate. I don't have to make it. I don't have, if, there's, if there's a box of brownies, I'm not making that. Right? Like if it's ready, I'm going to devour the entire pan. But if it's in a box, I don't got time for that. Right? And so when we think about, man, uh, eating honey because it's good, we tend to eat things not because it's good but because it's immediate. We've trained ourselves to go for the things that take the least amount of effort and the least amount of time. And so uh, I, I, when I read this, I was like, man, that's so true. But guess if, if somebody came over to my house and chopped up that pineapple or my favorite fruit, it's also my father-in-law's favorite fruit, watermelon. If somebody chops that up, and it's in the fridge, and I eat it. I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. Oh, that's so good. I love watermelon, right? I love what I might even love watermelon more than chocolate cake. But if it's not ready for me, I'm not eating it, right? I got to have time. I got to chop it up. There's juice everywhere. So there is this thing. There is this thing in us that we just tend to fall into whatever is easiest, whatever is the most convenient, whatever is microwavable, right? But even if... Even if we are eating good things, Proverbs 25 says this, Have you found honey? Eat only as much as you need, lest you be filled with it and vomit. <laughs> Isn't that so practical? That is so practical. God is saying, look, even if you are healthy, 
Even if you're eating what is good for you, eat only as much as you need because you could eat too much and vomit, right? So good. So food consumption, I'm going to show you this. Food consumption, us eating, it can suppress our spiritual appetite. Proverbs 30 says this, remove falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of God. See, if we had everything, if I was constantly full, not just in my stomach, but in life in general, we can deny the Lord. Because why would we need him? Right? If we had everything, why would we need the Lord? It says this, if I be full, I could deny you and say, well, who is the Lord? I, I did this. I did this. Or the other extreme is you could be poor. You could be poor and say, uh, Lord, this is what happens to us. We get desperate and we say, Lord, I need you. I'm desperate for you. But really what we're saying is, no, Lord, I need what you can do for me. I need what you can provide for me. And I need it now. I need it now. And if I don't get it now, I'm going to go steal. Or, in other words, I'm going to go and do it my own way. Right? Because you get to the other extreme where you say, oh, man, I got, I got everything I need. I don't need the Lord. And then, and then, or, man, I got nothing. I got nothing. Lord, I can't wait on you. Right? I can't wait on you. So I'm going to go and steal. Or I'm going to go do it my way and profane the name of the Lord. And so we don't want that. We don't want that. We don't want to eat so much, have so much, where we get to the point where we don't even know God. And we don't want to get to the point where we have nothing. We have nothing, and we say, Lord, I can't wait for you. Right? So food consumption can suppress our spiritual appetite. 1 Corinthians 9.27 says, but I discipline my body. This is Paul speaking. I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. That's an action word. You don't just sit back and say, oh, my body and, and my flesh is just going to listen to my spirit. No, Paul's saying, look, I discipline. How many of you guys hate that word, to be disciplined, right? To be disciplined is so hard. But Paul's saying, I discipline my body, and I bring it into subjection. I, I take control of it, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. So there is something about disciplining, disciplining our bodies. You know, one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. It's self-control. Are you in control of your flesh? Or are your cravings in control of you? So eat at the right time and with the right purpose. Here's another way to keep your flesh in check. Eat at the right time and with the right purpose. I got convicted about this too. Ecclesiastes says this, Blessed are you, O land. When your king is the son of nobles and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Oh, when was the last time you thought to yourself, hmm, what can I eat so that I could have the right strength to fulfill the will of God? <laughs> I don't know if I've ever thought that. No, when I think about food, I'm thinking like, man, what sounds good, right? What tastes good? What's going to satisfy me right now? I'm never thinking about eating for a purpose. Man, I read that. And I'm like, oh, Lord, that is so true, right? It's funny because uh, when I was pregnant, Scott and I started talking about being intentional about being healthy, you know, being intentional about, like, exercise and eating right and all that because um, we want to be around when Jace grows up. 
You know, we want to be able to keep up with him when he runs around. And then I thought to myself, man, I, I'm really intentional about our kid, but am I as intentional about God's will? And I think about that, I'm like, man, Lord, show me. Show me your ways, right? Show me your ways, Lord. Here's another, here's another way to keep your flesh in check. Pay more attention to your spiritual appetite. Romans 8, 5 through 6 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. It's really funny because it's not set your minds on the things of the flesh and then you'll live according to the flesh. It says live according to the flesh and you'll set your mind on the things of the flesh. This goes back to the whole whatever you feed will grow, whatever you starve will die. The more that we live according to the spirit, the more we will yearn and crave the things of the spirit. It's not the other way around. If you've been waiting like, Lord, I just don't feel like getting into your word. I'm going to wait until I feel like it. It ain't going to happen. Let me tell you, it is not going to happen. We have to push ourselves. This comes back to the whole discipline thing, right? We have to discipline our bodies. And when we discipline our bodies and we move forward into the things of the spirit, then our minds will be set on the things of the spirit. So Jesus, when him and his disciples were going through different towns, he came upon the Samaritan woman, right? And when the Samaritan woman went back to the village to tell all the things that Jesus told him or told her, uh, his disciples said to Jesus, um, Rabbi, you need to eat. You need to eat. You must be hungry. And Jesus said this in John. He says, I have food to which you do not know. And his disciples were like, what? Who brought him a Big Mac? Like, who brought him some food? Where did that come from? And Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. See, Jesus craved to do the will of God. He craved it. That was what he craved. And then he was satisfied by doing the will of God. So uh, he also says in Matthew, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So when we talk about being fed by doing the will of God, it's that we can feed that craving. We can feed that craving, the craving of wanting to do God's will. We're not talking about never eating again. We're talking about getting to the point where what we crave, craving God's will, craving God's word, is more important than eating. It's more important than eating. So do we have an appetite for God's word? the way that we do for food. Psalm 119, 103 says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey in my mouth. Can we get to the point where we yearn for God's word more than we yearn for food? Honey is good, good food is good, but God's word is better. Amen? So let's talk about fasting a little bit. Fast, fast, right? Fasting confronts the carnal appetite of the flesh. What does fasting do? Fasting says to our flesh, oh no, you are not in control. That's what fasting does. And you know, you cannot fast and then not pray. You cannot fast and then not pray. Basically saying, you can fast, but you have to pray as well. Because what happens is when we withhold food from our bodies, we're saying to our bodies, oh no, I'm bringing you into subjection. 
right? I am bringing you under the spirit. I'm not going to feed you right now. You're not going to take control. I'm not going to give into that craving or that desire. And instead, I'm going to feed my spirit. I am going to feed my spirit and my spirit will get stronger. My spirit will crave the Lord. My spirit will crave the word of God. And that will become stronger. It doesn't do you any good if you just fast. It doesn't. Because if you're not feeding your spirit, it's still not getting any stronger. Right? So when you fast, it says to fast and pray. Fast and pray. Because when you withhold your, the food from your body, you're saying, oh, no, the spirit is going to be the one in control. So the purpose of fasting is not just to feed your physical body, but to also feed your, to not feed your physical body, but to feed your spiritual being. So if we give into our desires a little here, a little there, when we talked about habits and patterns, I'm not talking about legalism. I'm not talking about you cannot eat good food. You cannot drink that cup of coffee. I just had a cup of coffee before the service, right? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being controlled by things. And you can tell when you're being controlled when you say things like, well, I just need. I just gotta have. I can't live without. Right? When you start thinking, catch yourself. What am I saying? What am I in need of aside from the Lord? Right? What am I in need of? And the thing is, as we uh, if we continually give in to those desires and those cravings, you know, it, it can even trickle into our finances. You can go to the mall. If, if we don't discipline our bodies on the basic level of eating, we can go to the mall and we can see that brand new pair of shoes, that sexy new red iPhone, those new golf clubs, and we can think to ourselves, I'm already in debt, but what's a little bit more? Let me tell you, that's not coming from your spirit. Right? That is not coming from your spirit. That is your human flesh nature that wants what it wants. It rises up. And if we don't discipline, even on the basic level, it's going to be hard to say no on that level.